millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Derek takes a tour of some of London's world-famous concert halls, theatres and schools. We get an intimate perspective of each venue and visit Cadogan Hall, Wigmore Hall, the Royal Court Theatre, the Royal Academy of Art and drop in on some very famous galleries and schools. For our first stop, we're off to meet David Charnick, who is going to tell us all about the history of the theatres within Covent Garden. Let's talk about where we actually are now, the Royal Opera House. The present building dates from 1858 and it's the third largest auditorium in London. It can accommodate 2,256 people. It's a dedicated opera house, as the name suggests, but also uh, a large repertoire of ballet performances go on here too. Not far from here on the Strand, you have the Savoy Theatre which was actually constructed before the Savoy Hotel. It was created to promote British performance, uh, particularly operetta, you know, the, the light form of opera. There's quite a few plays in the West End that have been going a long time. Which is the longest running? Well, you're talking about Agatha Christie's play The Mousetrap, which is on the uh, St Martin's Theatre. That's been going since the 1950s, um, so it's about... 63 years now. It will be the longest running play ever as long as it carries on running because of course nothing can overtake it until such time as they stop. Nearby there is on Cranbourne Street a memorial to Agatha Christie which was opened on the 60th anniversary of the opening of the Mousetrap. Possibly the most famous uh, person to perform at Covent Garden was a man called Joseph Grimaldi we remember Grimaldi as the man who created the Joey, the white-faced clown. He was the first person to whiten his face and then pick out the details with makeup. Now, Grimaldi was famous for the Christmas pantomime at Drury Lane. And they didn't have one here, but they actually created a tradition of Christmas pantomime to lure him here, which shows what a draw he actually was, you know. One of the things as a taxi driver I drop off many times, as you can imagine, at these theatres, I'm always intrigued as to how some of them got their names. 
Well, the Garrick is associated with Davy Garrick, who was an 18th century actor. He was a pioneer of a more naturalistic style of acting. He became exceedingly famous, and as a result of that, he's become associated with uh, the theatre. Probably the most intriguing name is the Theatre Royal Drury Lane, which isn't in Drury Lane. No, I understand um, that, yeah. yeah. It started as the Theatre Royal Bridges Street, the very first uh, theatre on that site in 1663, uh, which faced the way the modern theatre does onto Catherine Street. It was only there till about 1672 when it was decided a new, bigger theatre should be built. So they built a new one and they turned it round so it faced Drury Lane. The current building is the fourth building on the site, dates from 1812, and it's the first one to reintroduce the original orientation. But by that time, the name Theatre Royal Drury Lane was so well known, they thought, well, why bother changing it back? <laughs> I'm John Gilhooley and I'm Artistic and Executive Director of Wigmore Hall uh, here in the centre of Marylebone. We're stone's throw from Cavendish Square from Oxford Street and this is one of the great concert halls of the world. The hall continues to attract uh, huge audiences and has a huge international remit through broadcasting online on the BBC and on television. This is one of the great chamber spaces in the world. You see wonderful mahogany on the walls, these beautiful seats, this beautiful setting, all of which contributes to a glorious acoustic. And many singers and string players tell me that this is probably the best acoustic in the world for, for chamber music, for string quartets, for song recitals, for early music, and it's loved as an acoustic jazz setting. The cupola over the stage depicts the god of music, Apollo, the god of music, some people love it, some people absolutely hate it, but I notice new visitors always looking at it during concerts, and it, it's certainly it's central to our image. The artists really like the idea of the god of music looking down on them as they perform here. Something of the many, many thousands of concerts that have happened here over the years seems to linger in the air, again adding to the legend of the whole and to the reason why all the top international stars want to be here. It was in 1976 that the great pianist Rubinstein decided to make his farewell recital here. Uh, he didn't tell anybody beforehand. He was the best part of 90. He was almost blind. And he stood up from the piano and said, this is one of the most wonderful places in the world. And I'd just like to tell the world that I'm bowing out here tonight. Rubinstein's endorsement of the whole uh, then brought all the great singers like Janet Baker, uh, later Dame Felicity Lotz or Thomas Allen, uh, uh, pianists such as Anders Schiff uh, made his debut here in 1978. It's a very significant calling card in the international chamber music world. The hall has concerts seven days a week for lovers of chamber music, early music and song. In the heart of Chelsea is Cadogan Hall. Famed for its excellent acoustics and luxurious surroundings, it's the principal venue for the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. General Manager Adam McGinley. Welcome to Cadogan Hall. We are just off Sloane Square, a stone's throw from King's Road. Cadogan Hall actually started life as a church uh, way back in 1907. Could you tell me something about the architecture of the building? Because obviously, having been a church, I'm wondering how that affects the acoustics. In the days of it being a church, it actually had congregations of up to 1,600 people. 
There are no sightline issues at all in the hall, so everybody gets a perfect view. And it's in a Byzantine period. Uh, the stained glass is all original. Um, the gentleman that put it in was a, a, a Danish nobleman who cut his teeth in Tiffany's in New York. Of course, nowadays, with the modern requirements of a concert hall, we have had to install lots of technology, which is hidden. But architecturally, we didn't have to do a huge amount to the hall to get it into, uh, into a place of a, a leading concert hall. The hall has become uh, noted for its natural acoustic uh, and is particularly good for large-scale orchestral, chamber and choral music. Are there any annual or seasonal events that happen year on year? We will have a large-scale international orchestral season and they include orchestras all over the world. We are home to the BBC Proms. So, of course, in London, BBC Proms is the world's largest classical orchestral festival. And the main thrust of those concerts are at the other hall around the corner, the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, however, we stage the chamber concerts. So every Monday uh, throughout uh, the end of July, uh, going all the way through August and September, we have chamber music concerts, lunchtime concerts. We also have a very lively and active contemporary season or a strand, including the London Jazz Festival, which is a series of 10 events through November. Also during August, running parallel to our proms, we have children's shows. We just had six weeks of When the Tiger Came to Tea, um, through to a very strong choral series. So there's always a lot to choose from. The Cadogan Hall has a unique history. It's actually privately owned, and very few concert halls in the world are privately owned. And it was always their ambition to diversify and develop the cultural landscape of Chelsea. But we form part of a cultural hub which includes the Royal Court Theatre, uh, the Chelsea Physic Club, the Saatchi Gallery, and together we represent the cultural landscape of Chelsea. How easy is it for people to get tickets for performances at the Cadogan Hall? We are very busy, I'm delighted to say. With the huge amount of performances we have, we attract people not just from London and the UK, but from Europe and further afield too. Most people do book online and they book in advance um, to secure the best seats. However, if you're in London and you're in our area, do swing by and I'm sure we'll be able to hopefully get you in. A minute's walk from Cadogan Hall is one of London's principal theatre venues. My name is Vicky Featherstone, I'm the Artistic Director of the Royal Court Theatre and we're here in the basement of the Royal Court Theatre, actually under Sloane Square itself. The Royal Court Theatre was built in the late 1800s, it was uh, at the end of the King's Road where it is now, but the Royal Court Theatre as we know it started in 1956 when um, the first ever Artistic Director, George Devine, took over the building and decided that he wanted to find a whole new generation of playwrights um, to be telling stories about Britain and the rest of the world today. The Royal Court's called the Writers' Theatre because at its heart are the playwrights. Um, the first play that was ever put on was a very famous play now called Look Back in Anger by John Osborne. And what we try to do is to find playwrights from all over Britain but also the rest of the world and to give them the platform to tell us stories about the world we live in, to entertain us, to shock us, to challenge us. So it's always as the playwright at the centre. We're very lucky at the Royal Court Theatre. We have a very beautiful and intimate stage and we manage to entice extraordinary actors to work here. There are some other really well-known plays that started here that have kind of gone on to change our lives in different ways. Uh, most famously, probably Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, which started in our tiny theatre upstairs, an experimental sort of night of musical. We have two theatres, one which is a smaller theatre upstairs, um, which seats 90 people. Um, that often is quite site-specific. We turn the whole auditorium into, uh, into a kind of space 
um, it's less conventional. And then downstairs, we have a very beautiful sort of chocolate box theatre, uh, which seats 400 people. So we have a real range of work over the year that goes on. Saved by Edward Bond um, was a very famous play that was on here in the late 60s. Um, and it was when there was still censorship, when the Lord Chamberlain still had to read every single play. Um, so um, it was as a result of plays at the Royal Court that censorship uh, in Britain was changed because the Royal Court made the statement to say we have to be allowed to put on stage what we want. So Saved is a very famous play about a group of young men um, in late 60s uh, England who have no money and have no prospects and it's about sort of poverty, but it caused a real shock. People wanted to close the theatre down. An important part of what we do is um, our education work. We, we, we have a lot of writers groups. We invite people in to come and try out writing and to become playwrights. Um, but we also work hugely in schools with young people. Um, we have a youth theatre. We have a young court programme, we call it. And one of the most exciting things we do is we go into schools around London um, and work with eight-year-olds. They write plays and then we produce those plays professionally um, and take them back into the schools. And the eight-year-olds see their work done by professional actors, which they love. I'm believing that if we can give them certain kinds of experiences, they can also change us. Um, and as the Royal Court is always thinking about what are the stories of tomorrow, what are the new ways of telling theatre, it's really important that we have this kind of engine room of young people. So we have a youth board, we have a youth theatre, we bring in young writers between the ages of 16 and 24 to write plays for us. What's also important is that we have a strand of work called The Big Idea because people kind of love, especially in London, people seem like they really enjoy coming to have extra talks and workshops. Um, so around any show, we'll explore some of the themes and ideas of the show and we get experts like neurologists or scientists or whoever to come and kind of expand on the ideas um, and our audiences seem to love that. So you can come and see those free if you get a ticket for the show or if you just like the idea of the talk itself, you can come and buy a ticket to see that. So we have a range of other activity going on um, and throughout the year and we have a bookshop that sells lots of all the plays you could possibly imagine as well as books about theatre that you can't really get anywhere else. And it's wonderful if people come and actually buy the books from the bookshop itself because of course all the profits go back into the arts which means that I can commission more young writers to keep changing theatre. And the most important thing for me is that this, all of this work, the work on stage and the work outside the theatre is as inclusive as possible so that everyone has access to it. Okay, so I'm going to show you around one of my favourite places in London called the Listen Gallery. Okay, yeah, I've dropped off there a few times in the cab, but I've never been inside. So oh, this could be interesting. Amazing. Well, I'll show you around, don't worry. Hi, Hello, welcome. Austin. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. How are, How are you? you? Welcome nice to, to the Listen Gallery. Thank you. The gallery's been here for 50 years on this street. It started in 1967 and became known for championing conceptual work, minimal work, at a time when most London galleries weren't really looking at it. I mean, you know, this is in the infancy of things like the Tate Gallery and, and before conceptual art and contemporary art became a sort of lingua franca, something everyone knew about and everyone was interested in. This is our current exhibition by an American artist called Spencer Finch. This piece is... Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Actually, um, Spencer following a bee around a meadow using a GPS so that he could plot his route. There is an element of science, there is an element of recording and documenting. That's what artists have always been doing, recording, documenting, and sort of also transforming something very simple as a flight path of a bee into something much more exciting and romantic. This is like mind-blowing. <laughs> well, so it's another one of Spencer's works, and he's created the light conditions of uh, a sunrise on Mars. So taking the readings from the Pathfinder, which was uh, one of the 1970 expeditions to Mars. He's used a light meter to gauge the exact color and quality of light um, in Mars of a morning. So you're some of the first human beings to ever experience that light. That's amazing. So when we look at it that way, it's not Mars. And if we look at it that way... Well, he says you're supposed to look at it that way because actually that's the quality of light. And also what you'll, you'll sense, I mean, it's quite a nice warm light, but once you step out that way, you'll find you're back in planet Earth where it's actually quite blue and maybe a bit harsh. And quite then cold. Here, yeah, it's quite a cold, quite cold light. light. So that's the blue planet and we're in the ah. red planet. Although Hampstead contains many interesting and historical art galleries, houses and museums, we'll now hear from the Cato Gallery's Ian Barrett about a more modern art scene. Hampstead's a unique place to be. The architecture's fantastic around here. You can get yourself lost in all the little back streets. It's just an incredibly charming place and we wouldn't move for the world. Our current exhibition is John Duffin that we've represented now for six years. This is his third solo exhibition. He essentially paints London, although he does do New York and Paris. He's introduced to this exhibition. His unique perspective on his images are that he, he has this view from above, as if you're flying through and over the city. One of my favorite pieces in the current exhibition are the underground pieces. They're lit up, they're atmospheric, uh, they have that late night 
London feel to them. One of the unique artists that we do exhibit is Ian Berry. When I first saw his work, I wasn't particularly impressed until I was told that it was made out of denim. And at this point I thought, okay, let's have a look at it. It sounds different, it sounds unusual. Ian sent one over to me from his home in Sweden and we unpacked it, put it out into the gallery just to get an idea of what people thought about it. The first person who walked through the door wanted to buy it. From that point onwards, we thought, yeah, we've got somebody very, very unique here. You do have to see the work. It is very difficult to convey the quality of the work on a printed page or even on a film. He spends most of his days crawling around on his hands and knees looking for that unique piece that's going to create the images that he does. He's been represented by us for about six years and had three solo shows. All have been sellouts. The room we're sitting in at the moment is exhibiting examples of a variety of different artists that we represent, whether it's the sculpture or paintings, but we like to be able to show a number of different artworks at the same time. We represent about six or seven different sculptors. One of our artists, who is James Mortimer, he is also a sculptor as well. It is in fact his sculptures that inspire the artworks. We've only just started selling these, but they have a very unique, quirky feel to them and have a slight sense of humour to them that once you've seen the paintings, the sculptures make more sense. Other artists we represent are Mark Hall. He's known as the Conquer Man, although he does an awful lot of other art sculpture. The large cherries that we have here is an outdoor piece, which again gives people options where they can put different pieces of artwork. We're currently exhibiting um, Allies by Lawrence Hollisthena outside the gallery at the moment, which is our sculpture. It's uh, Churchill and Roosevelt sitting on a bench that uh, everybody sits between and has their photograph taken on, which is number one selfie spot in Hampstead at the moment. Very, very popular. When it goes, it will be missed because we've had it there 10 years ago and sold an edition at that point. When it disappeared, everybody was, uh, where is your sculpture gone? So we have new pieces every six, six to eight months. To keep our program looking fresh and interesting is vital to us. So we, we like to bring in two or three new artists a year. We are approached possibly 25 times a week from all over the world. What we are looking for is something that's unique and of a particular quality. So you have to be quite selective. We represent maybe 50 different artists and we think that most of those have a very unique way of expressing themselves. We try to keep it a very comfortable environment for people to be in, almost like being in their own living room rather than an intimidating gallery space. We change exhibitions every three to four weeks, so whenever you come into the gallery, it looks very different. We try to appeal to a broad collecting base, so all of our artists are very different. Um, it never looks the same. Our window changes every three to four days. We want it to look fresh the whole time. Now to visit somewhere a little more energetic. I'm meeting with Saoirse Hunter, press and media manager for the place. What goes on here? Everything relating to dance. We've got a theatre which is completely accessible to the public with over 200 shows a year. 
We have quite a range of performances, but it's all in the contemporary dance vein. It can use lots of different techniques, so you might see something that looks a bit like ballet, or you might see something that's a bit kind of hip-hop. Um, so it's quite exciting, it's throwing lots of different styles together. We also have classes and courses for all ages and abilities. And we also have um, London Contemporary Dance School, which is one of the leading conservatoires um, for training new dancers. What's the history of the Place Theatre? Um, the Place has been here since 1969. It was one of the sort of first um, organisations um, for contemporary dance in the UK. And it's very unique because it has the theatre, but it also has London Contemporary Dance School. So the idea was to have professionals alongside students who are learning to dance and, and become choreographers. And that was really part of the vision of Robin Howard, who was our founder. Can anybody sort of turn up and say, well, I'd like to learn to dance? London Contemporary Dance School, it's, a, it's like a university. It's an international university or a conservatoire. So you have to apply in the same way that you would for a, any other kind of degree course. Ah, right, OK. But if you're a member of the public, you can come to a class. So there's kind of um, ballet, there's hip-hop, there's um, flying low, which is a, a very new technique which people are loving. And it's for all ages, for children from 18 months all the way up. You know, right. and you've got over 60s classes as well. Um, so there is something for everyone. Have you had any sort of well-known artists perform here? Our theatre has seen some of the sort of most well-known names in UK-based choreographers perform their work on the stage here in the early stages of their career. So people like Hofer Schechter, Akram Khan, Jasmine Vardaman and Wayne McGregor have all been here in the earlier stages of their careers. Now we've sort of got the next generation of the go-to dance companies coming here. How many hours a day would a dance performer have to study and train? Our students come in and they usually come in 8 o'clock and they leave at 6. Um, wow. And that is, a lot of that time is actually spent in the studio, conditioning the body, learning new techniques, doing things like Pilates to so they you know, avoid injury, which is incredibly important for any sort of performer. It's a wonderful, vibrant area now, I think, and with the uh, Knowledge Quarter, which has um, been established here, there are lots of organisations like the Wellcome Trust, Central St Martins, the British Library, all in this very condensed area, and we do projects with them on a regular basis, which is really exciting for audiences and also for us creating work. Fantastic. I mean, I've really enjoyed seeing the area grow and change, and it's now somewhere where you really want to come and visit, because there's so much to do. Definitely. And it also feels much safer and it's really easy to get to because, you know, you're just five minutes from King's Cross, which is a hub of a station, there's Euston, and you can get black taxis at any point. It'll just drop you off at the door. If you're coming to London and you want to see a really bold, exciting dance show that might just surprise you, this is the place to come and see it. We've got a very small theatre, so you're up close to the action and you can see, feel and hear everything on stage. Very reasonable ticket prices, up close. It's the place Well, to I like the idea that in theory I could book a dance class, so if I needed to come in and get some exercise, you may well see me. That'd be wonderful, I'll keep you to that. So now we have arrived at one of Mayfair's many art galleries. Let's meet the owner, John Martin. Hi, John. Hello, Olivia. Welcome. Hi. Nice Hello. to meet you. John, nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. This is a pretty amazing space, tucked away up here. I'm on the ground floor for about 20 years. We moved up in the summer and actually it's been fantastic. Wonderful light. Yeah, How long have you been here? 
1992. So coming up to a quarter century. That's quite a big anniversary, that one. It feels like a very arty area around here. Oh yes, and it has been for 150 years. I mean, now there are 190 galleries in Mayfair and St James's. And like ours, many of them are tucked away, first floor, second floor, third floor, as well as the ones on ground level. You really rely on the public to be brave and ring the buzzers. Once you're through the door, you'll always get a great welcome. And, you know, it's free. And there's a lot of expertise here. If you're, if, you know, with particularly with old master paintings, you know, people will be very happy to talk to you about it. So some galleries are showing older work. For us, we, we I always like working with artists, so living artists. Could you tell me something about this artist's work? Yes, this is John Capel. All his paintings come based on his family's history and his history in one corner of Somerset. And what he's painting are memories almost, or folklores or reminiscences of Somerset as it was probably about 200 plus years ago. This is two years' work. This is another wow. really important thing. It's why the exhibition is so important for an artist. This is their moment on the stage, if you like. And this is when the critics come, the collectors come, other artists come. This is what they work towards. Yeah. And all of these paintings are all related. So they're like different chapters in the same, yeah. in a novel. The Browns London Art Weekend happens the first week in July. So that's where... Um, most of the galleries in the area are open on a Saturday, Sunday. It's a very, very friendly atmosphere. Um, you know, we encourage families to come and to start exploring what goes on in this area around the Royal Academy. I'm Charles Somerith-Smith. I'm Secretary and Chief Executive of the Royal Academy of Arts. The Royal Academy was established in 1768. It was set up partly to run an art school, partly in order to have an annual exhibition, and partly to represent the interests of artists. Now, we're best known for doing really big exhibitions, but we still do what we originally were set out to do, teach students, look after the interests of artists, and hold the annual summer exhibition. We've got big exhibitions coming up. We plan about five years in advance. The big exhibition next autumn is we're doing an exhibition about abstract expressionism, uh, which will be a huge survey and of great importance. We're very, very unusual. Most people think we're funded by the government. We're not and never have been. When we have been offered government funding, we've turned it down twice in the 1830s and again in the 1860s. The government tried to incorporate us as a sort of ministry of culture. But the artists have always wanted to be free and independent. We're sitting in the drawing studio of the Royal Academy Schools. We run a small postgraduate art school, and we have done ever since 1769. It takes about 50 students, and traditionally they used to do drawing in this room. We're now one of the very few art schools where we cover the cost of fees so that we get very, very good students. Increasingly, we produce students who are tremendously successful. Lynette Yodemboki was the, nominated for the Turner Prize in 2013. She's only one amongst a quite large number, increasingly large number of students who are going on to do great things.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.